0: Hey parents, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, the Wonder of Parenting Podcast, a Brain Science Approach to Parenting. Today we're talking about the power of stories in a particular kind of story, and that's the coming of age story, and uh, all those great adventures that many of us grew up with, uh, either in fantasy novels or even comic books. Uh, and uh, I'm here as always with Dr. Michael Gurian. And Michael, uh, we've been talking about our new sponsor for a couple of weeks now, uh, Marion Hill, uh, who's based here in Phoenix. Tell us about Man Cave.
1: Yes. So um, he's the founder um, of Man Cave, which is uh, all men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. So it's uh, M-A-N-C-A-B-E. Um, it's a long acrostic, but it is really a great one. It kind of covers everything. And it's, a, it's, it's in large part a fatherhood program. So it's nurturing fathers and helping fathers and families. And, uh, if people are in the Phoenix area, you know, obviously that you can go in person to, to the, the Thursday evenings and the things that they do, uh, to help, to help dads. If you're not though, you can still engage with this program because uh, some of it's virtual. So um, like the nurturing fathers program is a virtual and they have something called fathering in 15 which is 15 topics 15 minutes each. You know, they have it all really well organized and it's a great great tools for um, uh, for families and for fathers. So if you go if listeners go to wonderaparenting.com, you're going to immediately see that, you're going to see Marion Hill, you see Man Cape and then you see the two different ways to connect with them to learn more.
0: We also want to thank, as always, Dr. Greg Jantz and the folks up there at uh, the Center of Place of Hope in the Seattle area, bringing hope uh, to people who are going through challenges in their life. And um, in the 21st century, there are a lot of challenges. And sometimes we mm-hmm. just need a little extra help. And Greg's people are there to support you in any way they can through books, resources, and of course, their inpatient care, which is one of the top in the country. Uh, and again, you can learn about them at wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. Um, Michael, I fell in love with, uh, fantasy adventure novels, uh, a little later in life, maybe than others. I was, it was sort of, uh, the end of high school into college. Um, I was, I remember being in 11th grade and we were assigned the Hobbit Hmm. and I, I just, I was kind of at that point in my life in 11th grade where I was sort of checked out of school for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I got the book and I thought, uh, I don't know. And I didn't really read it. Uh, and then, uh, about a year or two later, I picked it up and read it and that was it. And I read that, I read Lord of the Rings, anything I could get my hands on in the area of, uh, of a, uh, fantasy novels. And one of the things that I learned in my time with you, as we were working on rites of passage programs is that a lot of these fantasy novels and even some of our uh, comic book superheroes are really stories, uh, usually about boys, but often girls now as well, but coming of age stories where they are sort of starting, you know, younger, and then they face these adventures, they face these quests, they face these challenges. And there are all kinds of things that go into these stories, mentors and and, uh, facing their fears, coming out on the other side. And these are stories that have been with us probably since the beginning of human civilization. Telling Mm -hmm. stories, Mm -hmm. what what is the role? What's the importance of these kinds of stories in the lives of our children, especially as they're moving into middle age and into middle school age, into junior high, and then high school?
1: Yeah, well, it it, you know we can go at it from a number of angles. I mean, one, I think I think you are absolutely right that they've existed since the beginning of time and uh or since people have been communicating with each other um and I think that's uh so that would take us to Carl Jung, that would take us to Joseph Campbell, you know the hero's journey it would take it takes yep. us into the archetypal it takes and so archetypes um are as you know they're these internal scripts or patterns that are wired in um genetically epigenetically are wired into the brain and um and so the coming of age stories, even like a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, you know, wherever they are, uh, the movies, like the Avenger movies, all of the, um, yes, they involve adults, but they still fit in this kind of archetypal hero's journey, heroines journey, as well, of course. Um, that that is a reflecting a deep pattern in the in the human brain, and it's cross cultural because every culture has these right? And that's why we know it's archetypal. Every culture has coming of age stories. Um, So what it's then doing for the human being is by reflecting this journey in which there's adversity, right? There's a self, the self is an unformed self, and then goes through adversity, is mentored, um, uh, and taught. uh, And of course, every sci-fi movie has this too, for folks who think of star wars or any of these things you know they all yeah. similar thing and yeah. um they face these adversities um like a hercules does they or like a moses you know and they they um uh, succeed they fail they succeed they fail and then ultimately they succeed and there's because the quest is often for something like a grail or or to build a new religion or whatever it is they, you know, some of the, they bring some of the success home and they're um, and for, for kids and youth and the coming of age stories for the kids um, you know, there's some kind of reunion or homecoming um, even if it's creating a new home, even if their previous home has been destroyed, like their plan has been destroyed, they create a new home. And that's also archetypal. That's also wired into the brain. The brain wants that, right? It, it's, and every step of this, is what the brain is looking for. And it's uh, transitional from childhood to adulthood. Um, and it, it takes girls into become women and boys to become men. Uh, you and I like that language. We use that. If people don't like that language, it takes them from childhood to adulthood. Right. Um, and the script and the story are the guiding, um, uh, the guiding script. They're the guiding story. So, um, as the child at 11, 12, 13, and 14, 15 is going through life, the child is reading a story that has some of the guideposts so that the child, even if unconsciously, and this is where it's archetypal, the child, you know, is bullied. Well, the child is, is getting inspiration, right? To face the bullying through the coming of age story. So there's a, there's not just the archetypal record of human development, sort of um, and brain development, but it's all, there are practical tools in these that kids themselves use. Yeah. Yes.
0: And yes, I think that's great. I, I, uh, which we'll talk about here in a moment. I've, I've tried my hand at a, a, a short, uh, coming of age story. Uh, and part of the reason for that is because I, I, I think in my time with you, I've recognized how important those stories can be for our children, giving them characters and adventures to identify with. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they may not necessarily read a book and say, "Wow, well, I'm like Harry Potter, or I'm like Luke Skywalker, or Hermione, uh, or uh, Annabeth from the Percy Jackson series." But there is, on some level, this this understanding. These kids are going through what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. It's unconscious, and
1: yeah. It's right.
0: yeah, unconscious. And and the battles that uh, Harry and uh, Hermione and and all the others are going through are really at, uh, adventures of what kids are going through in their normal lives. And, uh, you know, their Lord Voldemort may not be, you know, an actual bad guy, but it could just be that bully in their classroom. It could be their fear of failure, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. what, what is their, the Lord Voldemort in their life that they're facing. And then, um, The best of these stories always are surrounded, that the characters are surrounded by adult mentors who don't do everything for them, Mm -hmm. but guide them uh, and then at the right point release them to do what they need to do. And I think that is also a nice way of saying to our kids as they're reading these books, uh, these, these adults in my life are important to me. And they were important for Harry. They were important for Luke, uh, for Percy Jackson. They're important for all these people. So I, I need to pay attention to what the wisdom of my elders can be saying. Yeah, that's really true.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy.
1: One of the the reasons we love that kids read these stories, um, it's, it's another unconscious or subconscious reason, is that it can actually increase their bond with adults and, you know, like parents and our parental bond with them because of just what you've said as they, the more they read them, the more they value, you know, these Mm -hmm. adults and, and it, and to some extent they can move their parents, um, into a more mentorial role. You know, it can be part of the child's individuation as the child, which the child has to do right to grow up. The child has to individuate and go from being little kid and parent to, um, to young man, young woman and parent. Right. So that th- this can actually help with that. And if if the parents can engage, that's why we love the parents and the children reading the same book, you know, Yes. and teachers will often, you know, ask um, like to kill a mockingbird or, or whatever it is, they'll, they'll ask their kids Hey, go, go, you know, see what your parents talk to your parents about what it was like for them in that era or whatever, because Mm -hmm. it's, we want the parents to stay connected with what the child is reading, um, to be a part of that bond and a part of that journey. Uh, so they, they do have that added benefit, uh, of, of the, of family development and of respect for elders and then an understanding of what elders can give them and, you know, what elders can't give them and they have to go it on their own, um, to a certain extent. I, I, I think these are, I'm so glad I read, which is great, which you're going to talk about. And I want to say to every listener, when this book comes out, you need to get this. Um, it was a great read for me as an adult. And that's another thing about coming of age stories. Yeah. When they're good, the adults like to read them also. Um, and even, even like Harry Potter, my kids mm-hmm. were totally into Harry Potter. I, I read Harry Potter. I, I After like the third or fourth book, I, I didn't read anymore. That era ended for me. But um, I was glad I read them. Mm-hmm. And the good ones we can read. And even the good comic books and the good comic book movies, right, which are all very much hero's journey coming of age. The ones that are good, that are going to really impact our kids, they're also going to impact us. We're going to enjoy them.
0: Yeah. I think that was the beauty of the uh, the Harry Potter books. Um, and, uh, my kids were just, uh, was just a little bit, uh, after my kids were reading those kinds of books, but I read them all, loved them. Uh, mm-hmm. Jan read them all twice. And mm-hmm. I think she's seen the movie series three times. I, I got, I, I watched it once, which I loved. And I think that was also the beauty of the whole star Wars franchise was that when I was a kid, um, I was going through the hero's journey with Luke Skywalker and with Leia and then when I was a parent, my kids went through it with, whether we think they were great movies or not, the, the, that, those three movies that were sort of the prequel. And now my grandkids <laughs> right. are watching on Disney, they're watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they're watching The Mandalorian, and we're having this shared experience around the hero's journey uh, all over again. I think you're right. That's the, the best of them uh, engage the families together, because a hero's journey, coming-of-age stories, is a family process. Your child, your son, your daughter is turning 12, 13, 14. They're beginning the hero's journey, metaphorically speaking, and that's something you're all going to share in together. And um, and that's part of why we, we, you and I have, especially you, have been working on rites of passage programs uh, to take the hero's journey and make it, a living, breathing experience for families as they're transitioning through that.
1: Yeah, the the programs that you and I developed—they de- they're definitely based in hero's journey, right? And the purpose of boys, which is my my book, where I I deal a lot with um, coming of age stories. Um, uh, I talk a lot about it in there about how important they are, how archetypal they are, and you know, and I'm and this I goes all the way back. For me, it goes all the way back to my first trade book, which was The Prince and the King, which was in 1990. Yeah. That was my first three books were Jungian. And um, and that one was based on a coming of age poetic story that I wrote called The Odyssey of Telemachus, and which came out in 89. And uh, that was t- that was the son, Telemachus, trying to find his father, Odysseus. Um, and if anyone knows that, all that mythology, Odysseus was gone, right? He was gone for most of Telemachus's life, and so Telemachus in this story sets out on a journey to find his dad, and all sorts of things happen to him, and it's a coming of age for him, and and that brings up something that's really important in coming of age stories, um, and it's it's a we think of it as a weird thing uh, that often people remember that often moms or moms have been killed, mom or moms are gone. Mm. And um, often not, but often they are. Yep. And, and Disney actually took a hit. This might be 15, 10, 15 years ago. I remember um, uh, my kids were still young. What was the movie? Uh it took place under the sea.
0: My, oh, this, Ariel.
1: Uh, Ariel, yeah. yeah. That, okay, that one. And the mom is gone. Right. I think in that one yep. and the evil, the evil person is, is a, is a woman is a female character, yep. kind of evil goddess character. If I remember this correctly now, That's I apologize right. people. This is like 20 yep. years ago. Um, but I remember, I remember them taking a hit and pe- women were saying, why, why are the women gone? Why are the moms gone? And, um, and so of course, moms don't have to be gone for these stories to work, but what, what has also been happening throughout history with coming of age stories, uh, pre-modern is that um, boys, and you mentioned it, part of why they existed was to help boys to grow up. And um, because our society has always known that we got to help boys grow up, right? That women, you and I've talked about it, that girls are going to grow up. Um, Certain areas may not grow up unless we help them, but internally, they have to grow up because of their own biology. And the brain shifts to match menstruation. So their frontal lobe, they get more connectivity automatically to frontal, which is maturation. Boys, every society knew, didn't get that, right? Not naturally. So we had to give it to them or they got some naturally, but we had to give them enough so that they grew up and coming of age stories and hero's journey and all of these things were a fit. And so that's, that is why, you know, the stories of memory up to about 50 years ago when we started getting far more, and necessarily so far more female characters. But up till then, most involved young males, and most involved male mentors um, for these young men. And they were reflecting what the society was trying to do to raise boys to be mature, loving men. So that's another aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, Michael has been gracious enough to um, allow me to talk a bit about um, the book I've just written. But I I do want to say something. I know we have a number of uh, families who listen who come from a faith-based background. And sometimes these, uh, especially the fantasy stories, can be somewhat controversial because of their use of magic, sometimes witchcraft, and so on. And And I remember years ago when Harry Potter first came out, mm. um, there was, a at first, some of the more conservative, evangelical Christian leaders were very high on the book and were comparing it to C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, But then they were started getting some pushback from some of the Christian audience, and they they kind of pulled back a bit. So I did a a series in our church, and one of my sermons was on Harry Potter. And um, and 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 I talked about what these stories do. And when stories, when fantasy stories use magic, magic for them is their technology. Mm. And so, uh, you know, for Harry Potter. Uh, to wave his wand and make a meal is magical. But if Harry Potter were to come into our world and see a microwave, he would think that's magical. Mm-hmm. And so magic was always their version of technology. And part of what these stories want to teach us is the power of technology to build up or destroy. And that's what magic represents. So now I talked about all those things. I uh, Somehow the newspaper, the Arizona Republic, got a hold of it and they did an article on me Mm. and they took a picture of me holding a Harry Potter book in one hand and a bible in the other <laughs> wow. and uh, yeah and uh, i was labeled the harry potter harry potter pastor <laughs> and uh you know now so 20 some years ago whenever that was that was really controversial today not so much but for for those in you know who are maybe um you know faith based and are nervous about these kinds of books that have sometimes um magic to them um just think in our world, somebody who lives uh, in a, a world that doesn't have the technology we have, and they come and they see a washing machine or they see a microwave or they see a computer for the first time. That's magic to them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see uh, Michael Jordan or, you know, S- Stephen Curry, no, because of the finals we just had, when they, the way they play basketball, I can't play like that. That's magical. And so I don't think we need to be afraid of magic in these books. Magic is a way of talking about power and how we're going to use it. Mm, uh, and so with that said, anyway, I, uh, I'm i going to turn the turn the mic over to Michael because I feel a little uncomfortable interviewing myself about my own book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, first, give us the title. Yeah. So uh, the book is called The Adventures of Toby Baxter. So this is book one. I enjoyed it so much. I'm writing a bo- our second book already. Good. It's called The Adventures of Toby Baxter. Uh, the River Elf, The Giant, and The Closet. And for those who are maybe familiar with The the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a reason why I used sort of that cadence, The River Elf, The Giant, and The Closet, uh, because I, I so much enjoyed all of these great stories. I tried to weave bits and pieces of all of them uh, into this book.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to ask you the you know to give us the basic plot in a minute. First, yeah. though, you said something just as we were getting ready to come on air that I just found so interesting. You said that a number of the names, like yours, is Toby Baxter. tell, yeah. tell us about that.
0: So, so when you think about these books, you've got uh, Toby Baxter is the, my uh, person. Uh, you've got Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, Frodo Bagans. And they, there just seems to be kind of a rhythm or cadence to the names of these characters that for whatever reason, uh, you know, the two and the two seem to go better uh, mm-hmm. than uh, Jonathan uh, Lightfoot or whatever it might be. Right. They they just there's something about the way those words sort of roll off. And so when I started thinking about a character, it came up with, uh, well, let's see, Harry Potter, uh, Percy Jackson, Toby Baxter. And, and that ah. was it.
1: That's yeah. fascinating. I, I love it. Uh, and I noticed in the book that a few of the names of your, your kids, grandkids are in there, but then some yeah. of them are not. So yeah. you tell, tell us about that, how you selected well, so, the names. So, well,
0: I, all five of my grandkids are in there. They're major yeah. characters, their names, they're spelled right. differently. Um, uh,
1: that's why. Okay. Got
0: yeah. So, so the book actually grew out of two things. Um, one was you and I have been doing work on these rites of passage programs. And as I've been teaching them, especially to our boys, because we have someone else do the girls, I thought I, I'd love to create a, a story that I think boys would read. So it's got to be sort of a lot action-packed, quick, not real long, that takes these principles of the hero or heroic and puts them into story form. So that was my first thing. The second thing was I wanted to write something for my grandkids that called them to be heroes. Mm. And so these two things sort of came together. And I, uh, as I started writing, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to use my grandkids as the, uh, as sort of the mentors to Toby Baxter and, uh, and then include, you know, you, you use the word heroic. I put it down just to hero uh, to use that as the uh, sort of the roadmap for Toby Baxter as he's trying to face the challenge that he will face in River yeah.
1: Yeah. And if I remember CS Lewis, didn't he write for his own kids? Was it him or was it was it um Lord of the Rings? One of them wrote those books just like you did, wrote them for their kids or their grandkids.
0: I'm yeah, thinking I it was CS
1: Lewis, yeah, but what yeah. do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't remember which did it, but yes, I well I know that for for CS Lewis if it wasn't specifically for family members, it was to write what would seem to be a children's book, a children's story, because on the surface, The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe is a very different read than Lord of the Rings. It's it a is, very different yeah. reading read even than Harry Potter. And yet, when you read through those books, you find that you can read them over and over again because there's so much in them. But he wrote from a child's perspective with a lot of depth, which is uh, what makes his series really amazing
1: well, and you're so you're in really good company there. um. Uh, and then, so tell us the basic plot.
0: Yeah, so the plot is that uh, Toby Baxter's turning 13 and uh, he's into Marvel superheroes, loves his Marvel characters, and he's having a Marvel-themed birthday party. And he gets a visit from someone that looks like a hobbit and he thinks it's a hobbit at first. Turns out it's not a hobbit. And um, and he's eventually called the the River Elves Need Toby to come and help them fight against the trolls and the way into river home is through his closet. And so, uh, you know, when the, the, uh, the guy who's setting up the story, his name is author, which is, surprising. I really love the, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, author setting up the story. He keeps looking around for a wardrobe and because he's so used to the wardrobe from line, Witch in the uh, wardrobe, so he uses the closet instead goes out and then they go into river home and, and Toby has to figure out, uh, what kind of a hero he's going to be and how is he going to, the, the, the typical questions, how are you going to use your power? Um, and are you going to use it to serve? Are you going to use it to, for selfish purposes. Are you going to be driven by anger? Are you going to be driven by fear or courage. And so he's mentored by these five river elves and others around him as they go on a quest to, uh, to fate, go face to face with the, the trolls. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a driving plot. I mean, it really is for people who are listening. I I highly recommend it because it um, I as an adult read it and really enjoyed it, you know, so that's why I kind of brought that up before that when they're good, the adults going to enjoy it too. And, and um, it's a great book to read, like read to your children and have your children read back to you. Um, You know, there's nothing in it really that a child couldn't see right it's a very child-friendly book yeah um and nothing controversial let's say or something like that uh or developmentally inappropriate so it's perfect um to be to for the reading back and forth and then for talking about and the good thing is i i saw like i i think parents could talk after reading a couple chapters you know there are things to talk about with kids in it um yeah. it's very enjoyable like i say it's a great plot um But I feel like you also set it up. You also set it up like a lot of these other coming of age stories, which are supposed to be talked about between adults and kids.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that was part of my purpose of going in is to to say, all right, this particular coming of age story has a purpose to it, Mm -hmm. and that's to engage. The 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 kids who read it and their parents, even their grandparents, and, and you know I've got some references in there for grandparents. Um, mm-hmm. You know that even, some parents will read that. What is that? But a grandparent might get it right, um, and it doesn't take away from the story. It's just these little things that popped in to to try to engage several generations, and at the same time, yeah, to to give parents the opportunity to say, now if you were Toby in that situation, what would you have done, and how would you have responded? And all right, so Toby did this was that a good thing or bad thing um and uh and that's yeah, that's kind of the purpose of it and to 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 give to people that working um h e r o hero you know honorable enterprising responsible, and original to give kids and parents a roadmap in story form uh that they can use as their kids grow and keep coming back to those four key characteristics or values um how are you living the hero's life today?
1: Mm-hmm. And you just said such a key word, values, because these stories for, for you know, for millennia have been, have been value driven and they're, they're value connected. There have always been values being taught and um, they've always been connected to a kind of deeper yep. matrix of value development. So I think that's so important. And then another thing to mention about this is the book is funny. So um you know if you're writing a coming of age story yeah. and you want kids to read it um uh you got to have some humor and uh, and then we adults love the humor and and you have you've made the narrator like your inner boy has beautifully come out and um the narrator I remember whatever you know I remember yeah. that somewhere in the first couple chapters and he just has these asides that are really funny Yeah
0: well thank you
1: so the humor's yeah. beautiful
0: Yeah thanks thanks so um as I was writing the book, I didn't know where it was going to go. It was just one of these things. I've always wanted to do this. And I just started writing and then it would take me somewhere and I would stop for a while and then kind of, okay, what could come next? And, um, and that was kind of the joy for me of just sort of discovering where the story could take me. And, um, uh, and so part of what I've done for people, if they, if they're interested, it's, it's, will be available in paperback and ebook. Uh, and if they go to timwrightbooks.com, timwrightbooks.com and sign up on the the um, to be a part of my mailing list, I wrote a prequel and it's about 12, 13 pages long and it, it just sort of sets up the story. Now you can read the book without the prequel or you can read the book and then read the prequel to see how they go together. But the prequel is free. If you sign up to timwrightbooks.com, you'll automatically get that free prequel, which will introduce you to most of the characters and the storyline. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you'll be on that list so that when it comes out, uh, the book comes out, which should be right around the time that this podcast is coming out, uh, we'll send out an email saying the book is out now and it's available on uh, paperback or ebook. So it's timwrightbooks.com. You get a free um, uh, prequel. And also on that website, there's a place to go for a free PDF for parents on kind of the topic we're talking about, why kids love and need coming of age stories. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh it's great. Tim that's so, I'm so glad you did it. And everyone listening, you know, go go get this book. It's just so fun.
0: Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. And uh, Michael knows I've been working on it for a long time because he had he read an uh an early iteration of it probably 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh I thought with COVID, oh yeah, I have plenty of time and it just uh, you know what? These things take time and you're working with cover design and, and, uh, blurb writers and everything else. It just takes a little while to get something going. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I had a lot of fun writing it. And I hope it's helpful for people, especially in terms of parents who have kids in that age group and you want to read a good book together and have something to talk about to, to sort of say, this is, this is what we'd like to see happen in your life. You know, for you to live this kind of a heroic life, whether you're a boy or a girl and, um, uh, so thank you i appreciate you know giving me the opportunity to talk about it a, a bit mm-hmm. um so uh, wonderparenting.com is our website and uh if you go to facebook and you join wonder of parenting a group we'll we'll let you in and there's good conversation there and of course uh, again the adventures of toby baxter the river elf the the giant and the closet and that will be <laughs> uh, timwrightbooks.com, timwrightbooks.com. And I may never be a best-selling author like Michael Green, but I'll sell ah. something. Yeah, I've got my my kids lined up to buy a book, <laughs> <laughs> and me. <laughs> yeah, and you. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next time. We're going to be talking about a really important topic, by the way, next week. Just as a tease, uh, we know that there, we're pretty uh, we're removed now by a couple months, but um, we're we're all still reeling from these latest shootings. And we're not going to talk so much about shootings next week as we are going to talk about one of one of the many issues behind shootings, and that's male health. And so we'll be talking about that next week, our boys' health. So we hope you'll join us, wonderparenting.com. Thanks, everybody. Sick of being upsold at gyms?